0: In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today is the first Sunday of the Holy Great Fast, and as we start this um, journey of fasting for 55 days, um, we're reminded in the Gospel reading of today of what our priorities should be and where we should be placing our treasures. The Lord Jesus Christ said, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal." This is the the third and final part of the series of asceticism that we have been speaking about as an introduction into the great fast. Um, And we spoke about how asceticism is a work of man in response to the love that God has shown us, that in a desire to be closer to God, and a desire to approach God, and a desire to remove from us any obstacle that prevents us from being in full communion with God, we, we lead an ascetic life, meaning we deny our flesh the things that it desires so that our spirit can grow and mature and draw closer and closer to God. And every year as we go through the cycles of the of the feast and the fast and the church, it's designed to help us to grow closer to God in this way, that this, this continual struggle against the lust of the flesh, the lust of the flesh that keep us distracted and keep us attached to the earth, that we fight against it and we can break the bonds of this attachment through the works of asceticism. And so this is why we fast and this is why we do other activities during the fasting period to help us to gain self-control, to help us to turn away from the worldly things, to spend more time with God in prayer, and to do things that are more um, leading us to, to righteousness. So today as this final part, I wanted to speak a little bit about the passions. The passions are the desires of the flesh that war against us, that war against our spirit in this constant spiritual battle that we are fighting. And if we can understand the passions, we can understand ourselves. We can understand our motivations. Why is it that we do what we do and realize that many of these passions are common to all of us, that these, this is uh, the war that the devil has been waging against mankind from the very, very beginning, even from the time of Adam and Eve. They are the same passions. They are the same wars. They are the same struggles. And so we find ourselves in this war, but at the same time, we, we have an understanding of the war. We, we know what is it to expect from the war. We, we can tell when it is that we are being led into temptation, when we understand ourselves, we understand our passions, and so we can fight against them. So today, God willing, we're gonna speak about the major passions that war against us, and maybe even more during the time of the fast, because when we are trying to do a good work, this is when we find that temptation is going to increase even more. The first passion we'll speak about is gluttony gluttony or excess it's not only about being gluttonous in our food but being gluttonous in just an attitude of excess of wanting more and more and more and wanting to indulge ourselves. so the idea is is that in order in, in, instead of being self-controlled instead of being like in charge or in control of our desires of what it is that we do instead we find that we are being controlled by these desires and we are doing things not with moderation but with excess everything is done in excess and so this maybe is the most common when we think about it being done in food because maybe there is a physical manifestation of of gluttony or we see ourselves wanting to gorge ourselves with food maybe we experience this actually when we begin fasting is the first desire we have is for the food that we have given up and we want to go back and eat it again but gluttony can come in many many forms being indulgent and actually in the west because for the most part we are um, pretty pretty wealthy and successful we have a lot of things and because we have a lot of things it's easy for us to fall into gluttony it's 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 not about that the thing itself is wrong but it's the the idea that we are completely satisfying ourselves to an unlimited amount even to a wasteful amount with whatever it is that we desire this is the gluttony that we are completely indulging ourselves without any restraint at all in what it is that we have. And maybe because we can afford it, and maybe because it's available, we see it as there is nothing wrong with it. And there isn't anything wrong in the substance itself, perhaps, of the things that we are being gluttonous about, but the very idea of indulging myself to the maximum without any restraint, this in itself is gluttony, and this can, um, this can cause our defenses to drop. The antidote of this is moderation. Trying to find moderation in everything that we do. It's not the case that just because I'm able to obtain something that I should obtain it. It doesn't mean that just because something is available to me that I should participate in it. I have to be moderate in the way that I think about things and what exactly would be beneficial to me or not. And this is one of the things that that clearly fasting helps us with. Fasting says even though food is available, And even though it is easy for us to obtain, but we are telling ourselves we will not take it, we will not participate in it, we will not consume it. Again, not because the food is wrong, but because we want to learn self-control and that we can be content with less. We don't have to have the, the maximum, we don't have to give our flesh everything that it desires, but we can live with less than what it seeks. That's the first passion the passion of gluttony. The sex w- s- the second one we're going to speak about is the uh, is the passion of fornication or lust. This is the craving and desiring of what is forbidden often in a sexual nature, but it can also be other things um, and the antidote of it is chastity. the desire to to obtain something, the desire to, to, to have some kind of pleasure whatever the pleasure might be is is lust. That when we are placing our flesh higher and above the spirit, we are wanting to please the flesh at all costs, regardless of consequence, regardless of what it is that we, whatever consequences there will be. And this is why we see people who want to obtain something so badly that they're willing to sacrifice anything from it, for it. They're willing to sacrifice their health they're willing to sacrifice their reputation, they're willing to sacrifice their freedom, they're willing to sacrifice anything at all because the object of their lust is so powerful that it consumes them. If we look at the example of Samson, for instance, when he had a lust for women, it didn't matter to him that these were Philistine women, it didn't matter to him what the consequences of his actions were, it didn't matter to him that he was a judge, he just wanted this above all. The same thing maybe with King David when he was pursuing Bathsheba, it didn't matter that she was already married. He was willing even to kill her husband in order for him to possess her. This is the work of lust. It blinds us. It makes us be completely fixated and focused on the object of our desire and and completely forgetting or neglecting any other consequence that we might have. So the 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 antidote for this again is chastity. It's about self-control. Not giving myself everything that my eyes see, everything that I desire, but controlling myself and seeking satisfaction in God. Being attentive and watchful over our thoughts, over our imagination, and always contemplating about the presence of God with us, that, that God is, is present with us and we are seeking to please God in all things, not seeking just to please our flesh. The third passion we'll speak about is avarice or greed or the love of wealth. This is the love, the love of money. Um, the desire to attain, the desire to have, the desire to possess and to be wealthy. And again in the West maybe we struggle with this especially because there is a lot of wealth and there's a lot of money and there's a lot of success and we have many things. And so it's easy for us to fall into the trap of placing all of our desire and all of our hope and all of of, of, um, kind of our security in the money that we have and in the possessions that we want to attain. And so we find this struggle if uh, like people, for instance, who are going to take a certain job that gives them a lot of money but at the the expense of being able to go to church, being able to do spiritual activities, being able to pray, being able to serve their family, being able to do other things that are important and beneficial to us because we have elevated the desire for wealth above all things. Also, not wanting to give, not being generous. One of the other Um, things that we try to do during the fasting periods is we try to be more generous in our giving, in our charity, in our tithing, in our serving of others. So we find ourselves that maybe we don't want that it's painful for us to give up of the things that we have because we want to Um, have it for ourselves. We want to possess it for ourselves, and so we find it difficult to give. This is actually one of the antidotes of greed, is to give. To give away of what we have. To see that God is the source of all things, and that even the things that we have today, it's not because of my great um, talents that I was able to obtain it for myself, but God gave it to us as a gift, and God wants us to use it wisely. Many of the church fathers um, have said that to give from our poverty is actually better than to give from our abundance, okay? The, the tithing is something that is important for all of us to participate in and to do, not because um, no one else can be blessed otherwise, but because we are blessed. We are blessed through the tithing. We are blessed through giving of our things. We are reminded always of God being with us, supporting us, and not that we are supporting ourselves. So this is the third passion, the passion of the love of money, which can war against us and make us to focus on the world and its, and, and the lusts that are in it, as opposed to focusing on God. The fourth passion that we suffer and struggle with is the passion of anger. The Church Fathers teach that the root of the passion of anger is pride. I get angry, why? I get angry because someone has hurt my pride. I get angry at someone because I feel like they have not conformed to my opinion, they have not treated me with respect, they have not done what it is that I wanted them to do, and so I lose patience and become angry with others because I feel like they have fallen short in some way. Another uh, characteristic of anger when we feel this kind of selfish anger toward others we tend to be blinded to ourselves in those moments of anger. We tend to become angry at others for things that we ourselves struggle with, for sins that we ourselves commit, for failures that we ourselves have or variations of them. And so we we tend to, to focus our anger outward instead of focusing the anger inward. Instead of looking at ourselves and saying, how is it that I should be angry? about the sins that I commit, about the weaknesses that I have, about the failures that I have. Instead, we tend to focus outward and we only see the weaknesses in one another, which then causes us to become angry and to judge. The solution for this anger is, is meekness. Meekness is something that's kind of lost completely in our society. The concept of meekness is even seen as weakness. It's, it's seen as something undesirable. And in order for someone to be successful in the world, they shouldn't be meek. They have to be bold. They have to be aggressive. They have to de- be even intimidating or manipulative in order to get what it is that they want. But this is not the Christian teaching. This is not what we believe, and this is certainly not the way that Christ was. Christ, even though he was the most powerful, and yet he was also the most meek, he allowed others to, to, for, their, for their will to be done to him. He, he was able to yield He did not demand that everything had to be done according to his own will at all times and yet he allowed the people around him to express themselves and to express their will and so even if they were wrong even if he suffered as a result of their will he still allowed this to happen saint john climacus uh, wrote in the book the letter of the divine ascent he spoke about three levels of controlling anger The first level he spoke about was at the level of the words, of our speech, of what is it that we say. He said to keep the lips silent when the heart is stirred. This is the first level that we focus just on not saying things that are hurtful or harmful out of anger. Like maybe we feel anger, maybe we're angry at someone, but we bite our tongue and we say, I'm just I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to speak in an angry, disrespectful way towards someone. This is level one. The second level once we have mastered level one, is to control anger at the level of the thoughts. He says, silence our thoughts when the soul is upset, that is do not dwell on an offense or think badly of those who have wronged or wounded us, right? The silence our thoughts means it's one step beyond the words. It's not just that I'm not speaking angry words, it's that I am even purging my mind of the angry thoughts. The thoughts are not even, the thoughts of anger are not coming to me. You know, Oftentimes, maybe when we have been wronged and we, we, we keep you know, stewing over the, the things that have happened and remembering it and remembering it, and every time we remember, we get more and more angry and more kind of animosity toward the people who have hurt us in one way. This is the thoughts. This is the angry thoughts that are constantly fueling the anger that is in us, which will, uh, can eventually lead to us speaking out of anger. This is the level two. Level three, which is the hardest, he says, "What be calm when unclean winds are blowing, that is, do not take offense, but remain dispassionate at insults or injuries to our pride. This is the most difficult out of all of these, which is essentially means even when you are wrong, don't even feel angry, don't even don't even react at all emotionally, because we are so content and at peace, and 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 and, and, and at peace with the presence of God in us that we are not even moved to anger in any way, even when we are wronged. This is a very high spiritual level, but here what St. John Climacus is saying is the ways that we we approach this idea of anger and how we begin to fight it. We fight it first at the level of our words, trying to control what we say, then we fight it at the level of our thoughts, and then finally, through the grace of God, we can fight it at the level of our emotions as well. Of course, all these battles that we are fighting against, our passions, it's only through the work of the Holy Spirit in us. There is no way for us to overcome this. This is the, 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 the human weakness. This is the nature of, uh, of our, our corrupted nature, our corrupted humanity. This is why we suffer all these things, which is why we are so susceptible to all of these sins. When we all go to confession, we are confessing these things. This is the same things we are all confessing in one form or another because we all struggle with this in, in various degrees. And so here, We are asking for the grace of God to help us to fight in in this war. The fifth passion we'll speak about is the passion of despondency or despair. This is the lack of hope. This is giving up because we feel like there is no hope in the future. This is um, feeling that I am alone, This is feeling that no matter how much I continue to fight, I will never overcome. This is the feeling that God has abandoned me. This is the feeling that I will never be a righteous person. This is the feeling that all of my good efforts that I have put in, There is no point in me continuing in them because it will never bring anything good. And so I might as well just give up now and enjoy my life away from God doing whatever pleases my flesh because there is no amount of effort is ever going to get me to where it is that I want to be. So this despondency is something that is very damaging because God said to us what that no amount of sin that we commit in our lives can actually lead to our perdition if we keep repenting if we keep standing again if we keep getting up again if we keep trying again no sin that we commit is too big for God to forgive but what is it that will prevent us from being forgiven and what is it that will prevent us from truly going astray from God it is this it is when we give up it is when we are not even trying to repent anymore it's when we think that there is no point in me struggling or trying again because I have failed many times and yet I continue to fail and this is maybe um, one of the big reasons that we fall into this is when we have tried. You know, even like when it comes to something like fasting. Maybe I try to fast and I find it too difficult and I, and I break my fast. Or I try to start praying more and I do it for a little while and then I find it difficult and then I stop praying or I miss a couple days of praying. We tend to, as human beings, many of us, that when we fail the first time, we feel like, okay, well, I, I didn't, I don't have perfection. I stopped, I didn't continue praying, I didn't continue fasting, so there's no point in me even getting up and trying again, because I've already, my perfect record has been broken. But this is not how we should be thinking. Just because we can't achieve perfection, doesn't mean that we don't get up and try again and continue and to do the best that we can with what we have, and this is actually how God judges. God judges us based on our intention and our effort, not on how much we've actually been able to attain, not not on how much we've actually been able to do. And this is why this idea of despair is a very successful tool in the hands of the devil to make us to give up because in the end if we fall into despair it's very hard for us to do anything. A person who is in despair doesn't want to continue their service. A person who is dis- in despair wants to leave their family. A person who is in despair will not take care of themselves, will not do anything good, will allow themselves to completely deteriorate because they have no hope. The idea of hope is very important and we place our hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. The sixth passion we'll discuss is the passion of lethargy, or listlessness, or laziness. This is the, uh, 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 the passion of laziness. It's a spiritual laziness. It's the idea that I don't feel energetic to come to church. I don't feel energetic to pray. I don't feel energetic to read. I don't feel energetic to repent. And I feel kind of spiritually just kind of lukewarm. And I have no energy or enthusiasm to do anything. St. John, Climachus, in the Ladder of Divine Ascent, he recommends two solutions to this. Number one, he says, think about your own sins. And two, think of the eternal blessings that await the faithful. We have to be motivated in order to work. We have to be motivated in order to do some kind of work, even in our daily work that we do. If I go to work without any motivation or without any realization of what I'm actually doing and why it's important, I will have no desire to go to work whatsoever because I'll feel that my work is fruitless and useless and without purpose. Similarly, when we talk about the spiritual work, if I'm doing spiritual work just because it's a habit or just because I've been told to, just because the church tells me that I should, and that's the only reason, then maybe very quickly I will fall into laziness because I forget the purpose of this work. I forget the purpose of the work. But instead, if I do the spiritual work with, a, with, a, with an understanding and realization of the actual spiritual effect it's having on me, then it's easier for me to be motivated. I can tell you the story of St. Moses the Black when uh, he was asked to come to the church in the monastery because they were going to ordain him a priest and yet it was a test for him and when he came they insulted him and cursed him and wanted to see his reaction and yet he walked away with with, with meekness he walked away with meekness and, and 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 he did not attack anyone he did not do anything also say Moses the black he had to confess his sins in front of all of the people and as he was confessing his sins they saw like this uh this this um this writing that appeared that had all of his sins written on it and every time he repented of a sin one of his sins was scratched out it was deleted right like like god is saying every time you confess a sin your sins are deleted in heaven like god does not remember the sins anymore imagine if we saw before us that every time we confess a sin that the sin is wiped out and erased that every time I go to confess, I see a list of all of my sins, and every time that I confess a sin, that sin is removed. This would be a great motivator, I think, for us to confess our sins because we would see a real tangible effect that this confession is having or when we come to take communion that we are, are, are really cognizant and aware of the fact that this bread and wine is actually the body and blood of Christ in, a, in such a real way that we are just standing in awe in front of it. What is missing, to, uh, what is, missing is that we are forgetting the real spiritual effect and the real spiritual reality of everything that we are doing. And it becomes just a habit and something that we do out of, out of habit and, and because everyone else around us is doing it and because we're used to doing it. And so it's easy to fall into this laziness because it's just a habit that over time we grow weary of. But if we are always present and aware of the presence of God with us, we're aware of the presence of God in the sacraments, we're aware of God's work in our lives, then it should make it easier for us to continue and be steadfast in whatever good work we are doing because we are always remembering God. And this is what, in order to fight this passion, we have to always remember. We have to always remember the reasons why we do what we do and that God is present and responding to it. The seventh passion we'll discuss is the passion of vanity, um, which is very similar to the passion of pride. So I'm going I'm to combine them both. Um, St. John Climacus, he said, Pride begins where vainglory leaves off. Its midpoint comes with the shameless parading of our achievements, complacency, and unwillingness to be found, uh, to be, to be found out. It ends with spurning of God's help, the, exult, the exalting of one's own efforts, and a devilish disposition. Pride is wanting to gain attention and to giving ourselves credit for everything when credit is not due. Pride is, like our whole focus is, wanting to gain attention of our achievements, wanting people to look at me, wanting people to see me as good, wanting to get people's attention even to the point of manipulating them, attributing every good thing in my life to myself and not attributing it to God, and also not wanting to be found out in any weakness or any sin that I do because I don't want that, that, that feeling of pride is, is not allowing me to accept that I am wrong. It's not allowing me to accept that I have made a mistake or an error, and so I self-justify in everything that I do because I don't want to admit that I have some weakness or some failure. Pride is the worst sin because in pride we will never confess. We will always just uh, justify ourselves, and so we never come to the point of confession. And this, is, this is, leads us to blindness pride makes us to feel like we have nothing to confess we don't even have a reason to confess everyone around me is less than me everyone around me is worse than me i am the one who understands and no one else understands i am the one who is righteous and no one around me is righteous when i'm in a conflict with someone i do not even consider the possibility that i was wrong i do not even think that it is possible for me to have been wrong and instead i focus only on the weaknesses of other people Pride is the reason that the devil fell because he wanted to be like God and he imagined himself to be greater than God and sought more glory than God himself. So whenever we fall into pride, we make ourselves to be like God and we have no desire for God himself. We will not submit our will to God because we believe our will is greater than the will of God. We will not submit to one another because again, we believe that we are greater than others. When a person falls into pride, it is very hard to get them out of pride. Any other sin that we commit, we can identify it and actually the sin can lead us to humility because once we realize that we have sinned, it kind of breaks our pride. It makes us to be humble and meek and realize that I am an unworthy sinner in need of the mercy of God. But when we are prideful, we feel like we are not in need of the mercy of God and there is nothing that I am lacking and so I imagine myself to be greater than God himself. These are the passions. These are the passions that we all fight And all the sins we commit are, in one form or another, one of these passions that we've discussed. When we understand ourselves, that this is us as the corrupted humanity, that this is what we struggle with, it helps us to fight. It helps us to know ourselves. It helps us to seek the grace of God to fight against these passions. So... Again, during this period of the great fast that we're still at the very beginning of, I would encourage all of us to be diligent in our fasting, to take this spiritual battle seriously. Again, it's not just about changing food. It's about fighting this fight of these passions in ourselves and seeking the grace of God and overcoming these things in ourselves. Ultimately, not because we are seeking to be perfection, but because we want to draw closer to God. We want to experience God more in our lives, and we want to be pleasing and favorable to him. May God grant us The desires of our heart and glory be to God forever. Amen.